This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. turn from the truth. Forget about what the Bible says. You shouldn't have a beard. They'll say, okay, you're not right with God because of these works. That's what happened with religion. Religion does that. It gives you rules and regulations. It's a Jesus and doctrine. Jesus, you accept Jesus and you need to do this. You need to be like this. It's the same with Jesus on the cross when he said, testelatai, actually. One word in the Greek, it is finished and in English. Religion had been established for a while before Jesus came. A lot of religion was based off the works that you were doing. If you did good, then God was happy. And if you did bad, God was mad. Jesus came to change the system. Now, if we're saved, when God looks at us, He sees the good work of Jesus. In today's message, Pastor Eddie will be sharing what it looks like to live a faith life that's not legalistic and dependent on our works. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Titus chapter 1. As he continues his message, the qualifications and ministry of elders. First Timothy chapter six, verse ten, it says this for the love of money, not money, it's the love of money. Is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. You will never be satisfied. Those are the negative things a pastor is to avoid. Here's the positive in verses 8 through 9. Number 10, a pastor is to be hospitable. He's to be a lover of strangers. His home should be open to the saved and unsaved. And, and you know, all those who come under his roof. However... With that said, we need to be careful because I got to throw this in so you won't think, hey, let everybody in my house. Jehovah Witnesses and all these cults and pagans. No, there is a line and you need to use wisdom. Second John verse 10, there's only one chapter. Second John verse 10, it said, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, the biblical doctrine, you know, another gospel, another Jesus, do not receive him into your homes nor greet them. Now, the nor greet them doesn't mean you can't say hello to them, but it just means that you don't embrace them. They come to your door? Yeah, let's talk about Jesus. Can we come in? No, we could talk about Jesus out here. I'm not going to say God bless you because my neighbors will probably say, hey, wait a minute. He said, God bless you, Joe. Wait, I'm going to let him into my house. No, I'm going to say, may you find the true Jesus. There you go. He's not a God. He is God. <laughs> Jesus, right? Not only that, you know, they may not convert you into a false teach, a false doctrine, but you have little ones in your house. They may be converted. So you need to be careful. Open your home to strangers, but be careful. But ultimately, we need to be careful, uh, you know, how we entertain strangers. The book of Hebrews tells us why, because we might be entertaining angels. You'd be surprised. That person you cut off on the highway is in heaven. You see, your face looked familiar. Yeah, you cut me off 84. Yeah. <laughs> be careful. Be careful. 
The eleventh requirement of a pastor is a lover of what is good. He is a lover of what is good. Not what is good defined by the world by man. Okay, that's important. Oh, you know, we got to embrace everybody. We got to accept the homosexual community. No, we pray for them. We love them in Jesus. We pray that they learn the truth. God created them beautiful. Their gender was included in that. And what happens when you embrace that, then what you say, oh, this is a good thing, isn't it? No, it's not because you're endorsing that. You're endorsing it. Because this world, what is good by God's standard, it's evil. And what is evil by God's standard is good to the world. Isaiah 5, verse 20. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Woe. When it says woe, that's like, listen, you better be careful. Because you're destroying everyone around you when you say, oh, no, that's acceptable. Well, according to God, it's not. I don't care what God says. Oh, hey, that's old. That's ancient. No, it's still applicable for us today. Number 13, a pastor is just, meaning he's righteous. In other words, he's to be proper, right, fitting. 14, he is holy. In other words, he is separated from the world, separated from sin, keeping himself morally pure unto the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, Peter quotes from the old scripture. He says, because it is read, be holy, for I am holy. Now, it's hard to be holy. That's a tall order. God is holy. How can I be holy? Again, you know, positionally where you are as a believer through Jesus Christ, you're holy because you're separate. Positionally, practically, we are messed up bunch. It's positionally. The 15th one, a pastor is to be self-controlled. In other words, a temperate. He lives a commendable life on the outside because he submits to the Holy Spirit that controls his life inside. So he's to be self-controlled, one of the fruits of spirit. Self-control. Oh, I can't. I can't control myself. Well, then you're not. It's not the fruit of the spirit. Verse 19, number 16, holding fast the faithful word. Holding fast the faithful word. The Greek word for holding fast means to strongly cling, to adhere to something or someone. And so pastors must strongly cling, hold fast the faithful word of God. That's the come we go line by line, word by word, verse by verse, chapter by chapter until we finish the book and then we go to the next book. I have to teach Everything that's in this Bible, page by page, not skipping, oh, that's boring, that's not for today. Oh, I don't feel like teaching that. No, through the Bible. Well, before we get to verse 9, Paul, remember Paul said, haven't I taught you the whole counsel of God? Not part of it. We need to learn everything the Bible has to say and apply it to our lives. Verse 9, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both, number 17, to exhort. Number 17, the pastor is to exhort. The Greek word for exhort is parakaleo. Parakaleo. And it's a compound word. Para means to come alongside, as we use the word parallel parking. 
paralegal, paramedic, and kaleos to call. So we're to have people come along, come alongside. We're to exhort these people to come alongside them and teach them sound doctrine. And number 18, and finally, pastors are to convict those who contradict. And a pastor to exhort those who are, you know, with sound doctrine, the word of God, and convict those, rebuke those who go against, who oppose the word of God and sound doctrine. So anybody wants to be a pastor? Okay. I don't think anybody. But anyway, unless you call. <laughs> These are the 18 qualifications of a pastor. And now we're going to look at the ministry of a pastor. verse 10 through 16. We only have two hours left. That's okay. We'll go through it. Paul gives us a command as pastors, and this is for all of us too, to silence false teachers. And that's the job. Verse 10, he says, For there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of circumcision, especially those. And they're not the only one. Circumcision are Jews, uh, Judaizers, if you will. Some of them gave their lives to the Lord, but they still had legalism. They still had Judaism in them. And they say, oh yeah, you know, you got saved. That's what happened when, in, in the church in Galatia, right? There were Gentile, you know, Christians. They know nothing about circumcision. And all these Judaizers came from Jerusalem. And they went all over to Galatia and said, oh, yeah, I heard Paul was over here. He gave you the word, right? Okay, you got saved. Okay, but uh, are you circumcised? Circumcised? What is that? Are you kidding me? I didn't know I needed surgery to be saved. Are you kidding me? And that's what happens. Oh, you got to do this. You got to wear this. You got to dress like this. You got to point to these. All this legalism. And that's what Judaizers. And that's what they're doing. They made their way everywhere. You know, whenever God sows the truth anywhere within a person, the enemy will sow lies. God sows truth, the enemy sows lies. Insubordinate, rebellious people will show up and engage with useless talk. What they do is deceive another. I think rebellious is the better translation. You find a common denominator for those who rebel against God, rebel against the truth, are the ones that will never submit themselves under authority. That's a common denominator you find of those that are rebellious. They don't submit to authority. One thing I was told a while ago from a pastor years ago, before, you know, my kids were probably two years old, and a pastor was, you know, just sharing about his ministry. And, and one thing he said that stuck to me since then, he says, in order to be given authority, you must first learn how to submit to authority. A lot of people want to have authority, but they don't know how to submit to it. He said, for there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of circumcision, verse 11, whose mouth must be stopped, who subvert the whole household, teaching things they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. Sadly, in my 23 years of ministry, I've seen whole families being deceived, entire families. I need to be careful. Need to be careful. And again, I'll read this verse to you. 2 John verse 10. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your home nor greet him. And it's the pastor's responsibility uh, with love to share the truth. Rebuke where rebuke is needed and share the truth. And obviously, some of them, they, most of them will probably do it for dishonest gain, for money. Verse 12, one of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. And so, 
Paul is quoting a 6th century BC Cretan poet. His name is Epinemenes. Epinemenes, he even called his, he called his own. This is his own. Call them liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. In other words, they're evil liars. They hate to work and they love to eat. In fact, many of the ancient writings popularized, they popularized the word, the phrase, to cretinize. That's how popular their evilness was, was known. That ancient writers would, would coin the phrase to cretinize, and it means to, you know, lying and cheating. Oh, he cretinized you. What did he do? He stole my lawnmower. He never gave it back. That kind of stuff. And here, Paul agrees. He agrees with the 6th century poet. In verse 13, it says this. This testimony is true. This testimony is true. So what a pastor to do? Read on. Therefore rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in faith. Paul tells Titus, rebuke them sharply. In other words, reprimand them sternly, forcefully. Why? So that they may be sound in faith. Some of these false teachers are redeemable. Some of them might say, you know what? They may say, you know, you're right. They may listen. They may repent. And they may, you know, learn sound doctrine. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in faith, verse 14, not giving heed to Jewish Fables. Whenever you study Paul's letters, you'll find that he used the contrast of fables to biblical doctrine, sound doctrine. Now, Jewish fables, we don't know what the fables are. There are many of them. Um, obviously, what they do is they take some of the Old Testament figures, and these Jewish fables have made it until today, but they're not in the Old Testament. It's not in the Old Testament. It's non-biblical writings. So he said, these are Jewish fables. Verse 14, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men. Commandments of men who turn from the truth. You remember in Mark, in the Gospel of Mark chapter 15, the Pharisees saw the, the disciples eating with dirty hands. It's not so much it was dirty. The Jews had a ritual. You wash like this, dry it, wash, and you wash a third time. They came up with this ritual. They made it a commandment. So they said to Jesus, hey, your disciples, they're eating lobster. No, not lobster. It's not, it's not kosher. They're eating uh, matzah, yeah, burgers or whatever. And they didn't wash their hands. I don't think they did wash their hands. No, they didn't wash it your way. And what Jesus rebuked them because it was a man-made rules, a man-made tradition. A lot of churches do have it. In Mark chapter 15, verses 6 to 9, Jesus says, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. He says, And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. I grew up in churches where they made things a commandment. Oh, look at you. I was part of a church. I grew up in a church where the men couldn't have beards. So I thought Jesus had a beard. I was confused as a kid. That's what made me study the Bible since I was a kid. Wait a minute. I heard a saying, you got to be shaved in order to be saved. <laughs> I, I heard that in the church. And I said, really? Oh, I don't know if they got a portion of the Gillette company or stock. 
But Jesus had a beard. God created man with the beard. You look at the lion, it has the mane, the female lion, sorry. You look at the male deer, antlers, female deer, sorry. <laughs> the peacock, it's the male peacock that opens up his tail, beautiful. Female peacock, sorry. But you see, <laughs> but listen, the man could be decorated by God, but man knows that women are more decorated than God. That's what made us attracted to him. But you see, God created it. See, God didn't, but anyway, that was legalism. They made a commandment. If you, if you had a five o'clock shadow, oh, they walked away. And it was sad. Some people were hurt by it. It's legalism. So it says, not giving heed to fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth. Forget about what the Bible says. You shouldn't have a beard. They'll say, okay, you're not right with God because of these works. That's what happened with religion. Religion does that. It gives you rules and regulations. It's a Jesus and doctrine. Jesus, you accept Jesus and you need to do this. You need to be like this. It's to say what Jesus on the cross when he said, testelatai, actually. One word in the Greek, it is finished and in English. Meaning, Jesus said, okay, I got us this far. Now, you make sure you dress right. Okay, yeah, put on your tie. Go ahead. I got us this far. You take it from here. No, to add to the work. And they will say, okay, if you want to be right with God, you got to do this, this, and that. Yeah, you say, but you got to do this. If you don't do this, forget it. That's legalism. And that's what, that's what legalism does. And commandments of men. Jesus gave us the greatest commandments to love one another. Love God first with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Upon these two commandments hang all the laws of the prophets. Because if you want to follow the law, then guess what? 613 laws. Go ahead. Give a crack at it. 613 commandments. We know the 10. But then you have the Levitical laws and you have the other laws. And exactly, it's 248 do's, 365 don'ts. You want to follow them? Go ahead. But you see, with the law, that's the old covenant. It's do, do, do. With the cross, it's done, done, done. The work of salvation is complete. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 12, this is, the, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I love you. First John chapter 3, verse 23. And this is the commandment that we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, love one another as he gave us commandment. We're coming to, we're coming to a close. Verse 15, to the pure, all things are pure. Who are pure? Who are the pure people? Those of us who have repented, accepted Jesus Christ, are born again, accept Jesus Christ, Lord, per se. Those are the pure. Again, in the same way just, in the same way holy, in the same way, pure. Are we pure? Practically, no. Positionally, yes. I love what John Corson says. You know, all soaps are clean. Ivory, Life Boy. I don't know if they still have Life Boy. Dove. I use Dove because I have a house of four ladies. Sometimes. Well, not all the time. I like Irish Spring. And I'm not Irish. <laughs> I'm the Puerto Rican leprechaun. But anyway, here's this. But I like what he says, but ivory is 99% pure. Ivory, again, positionally, we're pure. Practically, we're not. 
We all blow it. We all sin. Our hearts are corrupt. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? 1 John chapter 1 verse 8. If we say we have no sin, he's speaking to Christians, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Yes, we're not sinners in that we practice sin. We are saved sinners. We avoid sin. And do we sin? Yes, we mess up all the time. But we come to him and he forgives of our, our sin. But we're clean and we're pure because why? And the more you read this, the more you're pure, the more you're clean. Jesus said in John chapter 15 verse 3, he says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. That's when Peter didn't want Jesus to wash his feet. To the pure, verse 15, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their minds and their conscience are defiled. Verse 16, they profess to know God, but in works, they deny him. The fruit, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. They think they know God, but they don't know God. So here it is. I'll leave you with this. These are the qualification and the ministry of a pastor. But again, the reason why it's in your Bible, the reason why you need to study it, number one, because it's the word of God. Number two, you know what's required of a pastor. You say, hey, pastor, how come we don't do this? Other churches do that. Well, because it's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. If it's in the Bible, we'll do it. <laughs> but it's not in the Bible. So you know what's required of me as a pastor. Okay? Thirdly, it's applicable for all of us. Why? What do we look at? Blameless, we all should be blameless, right? Not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, hospitable, lovers of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-control. Are we called to be this? Absolutely. So it's applicable for all of us. And finally, I'll leave with this. Did I lie? Forgive me. See? Just to show you a lie. Okay. Just as there's no such thing as a perfect Christian... There's no such thing as a perfect pastor. No such thing. I love the Lord. Me, personally, I tell you as a pastor, I love the Lord. I love Jesus Christ more than anything in the world. I love his word. I love the word of God. I love my wife. I love my girls. And I love my family, my church family here. If I didn't have a love for any of these things, I don't qualify, ultimately. But I thank and I praise God for you. And I fear the Lord so you know that I try to live up to the Word of God. And my perfect no, pray for me. Pray for my wife. But pray for me too. Amen? Lord, we thank you for your love and grace. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who gave us the ultimate sacrifice. Died on the cross. We deserve to be on the cross, Lord. But we just thank you so much for your grace. We thank you that now we have eternal life through your son, Jesus. In your name we pray and all God's people say. We're so glad you decided to join us here today on Running the Race. Pastor Eddie is making his way through the book of Titus in this series. In Titus chapter 3, Paul holds up a mirror to show us who we were and are in reality. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us 
not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Isn't it extraordinary all that God has done to turn your life around? Running the Race is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel of Milford. And here's Jessica with an invitation just for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Thanks, Jessica. Head over right now and start exploring all the resources available to you. And we'll see you here next time for more on Running the Race. Running the Race.